you are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, including our gathering times at Fishers, Eagle Creek, Noblesville, Pendleton, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. This weekend, we decided we made a poor decision to take our kids to this Jurassic Express that they had at the state fairgrounds. And so really, it was a tourist trap a little bit, um, but I'll, and I'll get into that. But because we decided to take them, on our boys on Saturday to that, we decided to take our older girls to the movie on Friday to see the Super Mario movie. And it was a lot of fun. It was pretty clean. It was a, it was a good movie. Uh, but there, I think our fourth daughter was a little bit too young for the movie because as we're sitting there, she kept saying to me every five minutes, did this happen? And then I'd say, no. And she'd go, okay. And she'd go, dad, is this real? I'd say, no, it's not real. She'd, okay. And then she's like, when did this happen? <laughs> so... She was a great joy, and um, she, um, halfway through the movie, she said, I got to go to the bathroom. And I said, okay, so we go to the bathroom. She starts going towards the women's, and I grab her. I say, no, you got to come with me to the men's. She goes, why? Why do I go by, go by myself? And I said, because I have to protect you. She said, oh, okay, well, that's good. <laughs> so then the next day, we go to this Jurassic Express with our youngest boys, and they're, they're uh, three and five. And we, we, we end up uh, going and, and uh, you know, it's a long walk and stuff. We go to the event. And I knew it was going to be a bad deal when we paid. And they told me there was a $9 fee for using our credit card. And I was like, come on. Like that, and they get you because you bring your kids and you can't say to your kids, sorry, buddy, you're not worth the extra nine bucks. So we go into this Jurassic Express. They're supposed to have like these really nice animatronic puppets that, you know, they, that they have the little dinosaurs, the little raptors. Well, there wasn't any of that. There, was, there were the bigger dinosaurs, and, and it was fun. I had to keep telling myself over and over again in my mind, this isn't about me. It's not, this isn't for me. It's okay. This is two hours of my day. It'll be, it'll be fine. And then as I look, I open my eyes, I'm like, it's not about me. This isn't about me. So they had a good time. And then there were the blow-ups, the, the jumping jump houses. And we went over there to do that. Well, the lines were so long. It was going to be an hour for each bouncing thing. And, and I just go, hey, buddy, we're just going to leave. And he's like, starts crying. And I'm like, hey, it's going to be okay. And he says, well, I want to buy some toys. And, and uh, his grandma gave him 20 bucks to spend there. And I said, buddy, we're going to go to Walmart. We're not going to wait in line to buy this cheap China junk. We're going to go buy you something that will last. So then it gets worse because we, t- we, grand- we go to my parents' house after we get him this remote-controlled dinosaur. Well, his brother pours water all over it, and that's ruined. So then I have to say, what a wonderful day, right? It's okay. So... Yeah, so it was, it, but it ended up being fun anyways, and we're going to replace that, uh, that toy anyways. We're going to go back and get him a new one. It was his fault. It was his brother's fault. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and do that. But hey, with that, it has nothing to do with the message. Let's just pray, and we'll move from there. 
Will you pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful for you. Lord, we're thankful for your word that changes us. Lord, we pray that your word would do that, that it would do its job, that it would convict, that it would, it would help make us better and more like you. And Lord, I pray that you would help me, help you, bless your people. I pray you will help me get out of the way in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're back in 2 Samuel chapter 3. It's been three weeks since we've been in uh, 2 Samuel. So to give you a little bit of a recap, Saul has died. David receives the news. David mourns. He ends up praying in chapter 2, asking God, hey, where should I go? Go to Hebron. He goes and they make him king of Judah in that town. And then there's a battle at the end of chapter 2 with the, the rest of Israel and Judah have this battle, and, and the house of David ends up defeating the house of Saul in that battle, and they kill over 300 of their men. They both suffer casualties, and so this war happens, and that leads me to 2 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, now, and this is a recap of it all, now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew continually weaker. So here you have this statement of, of what happened in and, and the house of Saul. And it's worth noting that archaeologists and those in the education system in the past have said the Bible is unreliable because this person, David, there's no outside proof other than the Bible, there's no proof that says that David actually lived. Well, here, if you could pull that picture up, this is the, the Tel Dan Steel is what it's called. They found it in the most northern part of the nation of Israel. And it is a tablet that has inscribed on it. It's a victory that a kingdom, uh, that this king, that's one of four possible kings that it was from. But it was around the time that David lived, and it, it mentions that the kingdom of Israel, and it also mentions the house of David. So this is the first time in 1993 where they, where they had archaeological evidence that supported that David was alive and that he was the king of the nation of Israel. So that's just worth noting, everybody. So every time someone says the Bible's unreliable, it's not that. There are lots of evidence that say Jesus was here. There's lots of evidence saying that there was Moses. There's, there's evidence galore. And they're finding more and more all the time. They're excavating in the nation of Israel, and it's because the Bible is 100% reliable. Amen, everybody? So just thought that was worth noting to all of you today. So what happens is the house of David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew continually weaker. And I really believe that this is a point saying that, uh, to me, I, I take it like uh, the house of the flesh and the house of the spirit. So our own kingdom, our own way, remember Saul was king. God said, the kingdom is being ripped from you, and I'm going to give it to someone who, who will, is like me, who will not change his mind. And so it's the, the house, the kingdom of God, which God wanted to establish through David. And for many of us, the struggle always is, am I going to go with my own desires or am I going to go with God's desires? And so Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind of the Spirit 
for the mind for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So we need to be careful that that we don't always go with our own desires, our own flesh, our own will. Because if we do, we'll end up being hostile towards God. And the, that's what the world says. The world says, do what you want, believe what you want, say what you want, feel what you want. And it's hostile to the Most High. Because this first point is, weakness is only a strength if it is accompanied by the Lord. You see, David was weak. He was, he, his house was weak. He was running from Saul. He was hiding from Saul, but the Lord was with him. And the kingdom of Saul was strong. Well, at some point, there was a transfer of power where the house of Saul was weak, but the house of David grew steadily stronger and stronger. And we have to remember that our weakness is, our strength and our weakness must be in the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this, starting at verse 6. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would be like a fool because I would be speaking the truth. So, so he says, but I refrain so that no one will think of me more than what is warranted by what I do or say. So he mentions earlier that he, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, that he's a, he's a full-blood Jew, that he's, he does all these things. He's had all these accolades, but he says, I refrained from that. He says, because of the surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And he says, and three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So he has that thorn in the flesh, and there's theologians that believe, hey, maybe it was actually a demonic spirit. And there's some that believe maybe it was migraine headaches. Maybe, maybe, he, maybe he suffered. Maybe he had the shakes. We don't know what it was, but there's something that he suffered with. I think it was probably a physical ailment, like Moses stuttered. He, I, I believe it was something that, that was a, a, could be seen weakness, it's not given to us for our benefit so that we can, all, uh, we can all relate to the Apostle Paul. So he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak then I'm strong. Weakness is only a strength if it's accompanied by the Lord. You know, I, I have weaknesses. I have desires. And, and, and I have to remember that I have those weaknesses. Like, if I could, I would eat Chip Ahoy's every evening. Right? That's a weakness of mine. I would have an icy from a gas station every day. But that's a thing of the flesh. And, and constantly we need to remind ourselves is this a thing of my flesh or is this a thing of the Spirit? And that's a great test. Is, is this in line with the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things? 
Or is it in line with what I just want in the moment? And that's the question we should ask. Because we want our weakness that we boast in to be to him. And it's to say, God, I, I can't do it. I'll give you an example. I'm a bad driver, okay? Now, before you judge me, there's lots of things I'm great at. But I'll admit it. Dad, is it true I'm a bad driver? He's laughing, yes. 100%. Because I get distracted. Now, there's some people in this room that are like, whoa, this dude's our pastor? I just get distracted, okay? I get in conversations. I can't do three things at once. I'm looking at something. My wife starts talking to me. And then I forget where I'm at because I'm trying to have the conversation and look at that thing. I just can't do it. So I let her drive more often. I boast in my weakness. Hey, babe, I'm bad at driving. I'm going to let you drive. Boast in our weakness. It's like to say to the Lord, hey, I, I can't do this on my own. I struggle with pride, God. Help me in my pride. Help me in my weakness because I need you. The Bible says that the strength of man is weakness to God. And the weakness or the wisdom of man, excuse me, is foolishness to God. We have to always submit ourselves and come to this humble reality like the Apostle Paul said that I boast in my weakness. God, I can't do it on my own. I need your help in this. And that's how we're made strong. It's on our knees. Admitting, hey, I'm not so great. And that's okay. Weakness is only a strength accompanied by the Lord. That, we, that strength comes from humility. Moving on, verse 2, it says, Sons were born to David. His firstborn was Amenon. I'm going to say these names as best I can. I don't know how to say them correctly, okay? But we're going to give it a shot. By Anihom the Jezreelitess, and his second, Chalibim, by Abigail, the widow of the Nabal of Carmenite, the third by Absalom, son of Micah, the daughter of Tomli, the king of Gesher, the fourth Adonijah, son of Haggith, the fifth Jephthah, son of Abithal, and the sixth Athirim by David's wife Eglah. These were born to David at Hebron. So what happens, I know, they're hard Jewish names, right? I'm trying. <laughs> so, so he has these six wives, and this is this is just the historical narrative of what happened. It's not saying it was okay that David had these six wives. He has six. He's about to have seven. Then he's going to have eight. So it's not saying that what happened was okay because there's a difference between biblical narrative, what happened, and epistolatory scripture, which says how we should live. It's just saying this is what happened. It's not saying it was okay, right? So the Bible tells us that, and even Jesus said, hey, one man, one woman, the two become one flesh. Who knows one spouse is enough? It's enough to manage. Well, this David having all these sons and these wives was, yeah, somebody's getting in trouble right now. I don't know <laughs> who's laughing or what, but may there be no divorce in Jesus' name. <laughs> so this David being a polygamist here was a fault not only of David but also Israel 
Because in Deuteronomy 17, it says that he should not multiply, multiply wives. It says in verse 14, When you enter the land which the Lord your God has given to you, and you take possession of it, and you live in it, and you say, I will appoint a king over me like all the other nations around me. So this happened. This is God saying, this is what you're going to say, and this is what happened. The nation of Israel comes to Samuel the prophet and says, we want a king to rule over us. So then, then Samuel ends up appointing a king, and it says, uh, you shall in fact make a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from your own countrymen, you shall appoint a king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves or anyone who is not of your countrymen. Why they would pull the nation away from the heart. Just like our nation, if we put someone over this nation who is not, who is not born in this nation, they're going to give us new ideas and new ideas that are wrong. And some of that's happening today a little bit. There's different ideology that has been brought into our White House and in the Congress, even the judicial branch. One who is not of your countrymen, in case he is not to acquire many horses for himself, nor is he to take, nor, is he, nor shall he make the people return to Egypt to acquire many horses, since the Lord your God has said to you, you shall... Never again return that way. And verse 17, here's the point. And he said, you shall not acquire many wives for yourself, so that the, his heart does not turn away, nor shall he greatly increase in silver and in gold. So David sets the standard. What ends up happening is Solomon comes, he gets 300 wives, 700 concubines. He goes off the rails. David has all these sons. He can't manage all these families. He can't manage all the kids he has. So then what happens is he, it gets to a place, Scripture actually says that one of the kids that David never ever displeased, displeased him in any way. He never disciplined him. So David, this is one of his faults, but the nation was supposed to say, hey, you're supposed to not take wives and multiply, but he didn't have anybody who came along. And said, you shouldn't do that. It's a failure of the Levitical priests too. Those who were in the pulpit. See, what happened was David didn't have a friend who would tell him. Could you hand me the sword and that knife? Scripture says in Proverbs 27, yes, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So what happens is, when we're in, when we're in great relationships... There should be a sharpening that happens. And someone should have said, a priest or a man of God should have came along and said, David, you can't multiply wives to yourself. It, it would have hurt. It would have been painful. There would have been some metal removed. But David, instead, he didn't, he didn't have anybody around him. People who would have said, hey, you should, you should make a copy of the law. You're supposed to write down, make a copy of the law, and follow it. Now, we don't know for sure if David did that or not. It doesn't say in the Bible. David does say, I meditate on your law day and night. And then there's things like this where David was a polygamist, and people are like, well, if he would have written it down, he wouldn't have done that. But either way, David didn't have someone who said, you can't do that. You can't live that, you can't live that lifestyle. You need to correct your kids, David. 
And for us, it's the same way. You need somebody in your life who says, hey, you shouldn't talk to your wife that way. Now, it's painful when Josie or my father, Pastor Nathan, someone who loves me, comes along and says, hey, I wouldn't say that or do that. That way it hurts. And I don't, I actually don't want to hear it. I'm like, oh, I don't really like you right now. Right? If we're being honest. But it's, it, it makes me sharper. It makes all of us sharper. We all need people in our life who will do that. And one of the reasons that we don't have someone in our life who is able to say something that we'll accept is because there's pride. We think we're sharp and we're not. This sword is not sharp at all. It won't cut me. And sometimes we, we have arrogance and we believe that we're sharp, but we're not. So we don't allow this process to ever happen. And the other thing that happens that keeps people from having that type of relationship with somebody, if they've experienced, you may have experienced this, where you've had someone who's abused you, you've had someone who's hurt you, you've had someone say, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're not worth anything. That's aggressive con- confrontation. And that's what people, most people think that confrontation is this. That's not healthy confrontation. Healthy confrontation is this. But this is what David had. David, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. You're such a good king. You're so wonderful. It's a passive confrontation. There's no confrontation there. We all need that sharpening where someone says, you got to quit cussing. you got to quit speaking curses over your life, over your friends, and over your neighbors. You need to, you're not really loving people. You know, with that, with that uh, remote control car that we bought that they poured, uh, my, son, my younger son poured water on, we were like, oh, I guess we're going to take it back to Walmart, and then the Holy Spirit hit me. That's dishonest. And that was this, the Holy Spirit in my life saying, that's not good for you. And I was like, I don't really like that right now. I'd really like to have that 20 bucks back. But his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And there might be some pain where some metal's removed, but it's okay, because it's good for us, and it's good for others in the long run, because this is the second point. Weakness, or a lack of truthful, loving relationships will only hurt you in the end. You know what happened to David through these sons? His first son rapes his daughter. His Second son ends up dying, we believe. Most theologians believe that. His third son kills his first son because he rapes his sister, Tamar. And then he tries to take the kingdom from David. And then his fourth son tries to claim the kingdom before he's dead. It says that David never, ever disciplined him. There was never any of this that happened. And then he tries to take, you do a political move and he ends up getting killed by Solomon. He has all this pain that happens from a relationship. The Lord's way is better than our ways and his thoughts are better than our thoughts. In the end, I said, it's better not to return the dinosaur toy, 20 bucks, and rather be in the will of the Lord. Would be a lot better, amen? So my question to you, is there something in your life where you don't, do you allow people to do this? Or do you only allow this? Because this is the only thing I believe that David allowed. 
was, you're great, you're wonderful, you're awesome. Only one dude ever came and said, you shouldn't have slept with that man's woman. Because what happened was David didn't respect his own marriage, and because he didn't respect his own marriage, and he had these other marriages, why would he respect someone else's? And it was footsteps, little footsteps at a time. We need to be careful about our little footsteps. And we need to make sure that we have people around us who help keep us sharp. Amen? Amen. Let me give you these back. Yeah, I'll get you the cover so I don't cut your finger. Hand, finger, stab you, whatever. Did that help everybody? So the first point is weakness is only a strength if it is accompanied by the Lord. The second is a lack of truthful, loving friends will only hurt you in the end. So what happens, moving on in the scripture, verse 6, it says, It came about when there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now, if you remember Abner, he was the commander of Saul's army. He was also supposed to be Saul's bodyguard. And verse 7 says, Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Asa. And Ishbosheth came to Abner and said, Why have you gone in to my father's concubine? Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? So basically, what I think he's saying is, do I, just, do I just follow blindly the house of Judah? It, do I just salivate at this woman? Am I, am I just a nothing? Just a dog's head that just here and there. I'll go wherever. So then he's, he's upset at Ishbosheth for calling him out. And really, I think there's been question whether Ishbosheth had, or if Abner had slept with Saul's concubine or not. I think he did because verse 6 says he was making himself strong. There's also the argument that, that, he was, uh, that, that Abner was really being kind to her, saying, hey, I'll give you a life. I, I don't think that was the case. I think it was a political play because you, if you're going to take a kingdom, it would be slowly, slowly, step by step. So he does this. Ishbosheth calls him out and he gets upset. And he says, today I show kindness to the house of Saul. So he says, I've shown you kindness to his brothers and his friends and have not delivered you into the hands of David. And he says, yet today I charge, yet today you charge me with the guilt concerning this woman. So he's denying it. He's, he's gaslighting, I really think, what he's doing. He said, may God do to Abner and more also, he starts threatening if the Lord has sworn to David, if I do not accomplish this for him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and establish the throne of David over Israel and Judah, even from Dan up north to Beersheba. And he could no longer answer Abner a word because he was afraid of him. So Abner admits, the Lord said that he would accomplish this, that this would happen. But what Abner does is he says, I will establish. See Abner's heart? He's saying, I will be the one who makes King David to establish his kingdom over the nation of Israel. So he does that. He, he, he says he's going to do that. But there's a lot of pride in Abner. And Abner doesn't end up doing that. He actually ends up being killed. But think about 
Abner believed that David was told by God that he was going to be king. It's clear in the scripture. But instead of going along with the word of the Lord, he decides to go his own way in the flesh and decide to to do what he thinks best so he can have the same authority he had. He could be comfortable with what he was comfortable with. But really, this third point is to obey the word of the Lord is a time saver and a life saver. If he had obeyed the word of God, it would have saved Ishbosheth's life because David would have protected Ishbosheth because he protects a descendant of Saul later on and he gives him all he wants. He would have protected him. Abner wouldn't have died because he wouldn't have had the battle where he kills Joab's brother and then Joab gets mad and ends up killing him. It would have saved the 300 men, not to mention the 24 who die at the first part of the battle. They do a 12 on 12, and they end up, each man dies in that, in that skirmish. And they were elite fighters. And the nation of Israel would have been stronger. David would have gotten the kingdom quicker. There wouldn't have been all this pain and all this heartache. God is a time saver for us. First point. Weakness is only a strength if it is accompanied by the Lord. A lack of truthful, loving relationships will only hurt you in the end. And to obey the Lord is a time saver and a life saver. In this verse, 1 Timothy 4.16 is important for every single one of us. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, our doctrine says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. We're not supposed to allow selfish ambition in. We're not supposed to allow our own way, the flesh. We're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves. If Abner, one man, had done that, it would have spared a lot of lives, and it would have, the nation of Israel would have flourished quicker In that seven years, seven years were wasted where there was just battle. The word of the Lord is a a time saver and a life saver. And we have to remember that we need to watch our doctrine closely because it won't only save us, but it will save our hearers. It will be a testimony to people. We need to remember that. Amen, everybody? And I want to say this, the word of the Lord isn't only the written word, but it's the preceding word. Because God said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now with that, when you believe you hear a word from the Lord, I'm just trying to pastor you a little bit. When you believe you've heard a word from the Lord, you always go back to scripture. To two or three verses to support your moral decision. I say that because I had a woman on the phone that, I was, that called a church that I was at and said, the Lord told me to divorce my husband and marry this other man. And I said, no, he did not. Because Philippians chapter 4 is clear to think about what is true, what is pure, what is holy. And that's not pure. And the, also the Bible says the Lord our God hates divorce. And I'm not condoning anyone who's been divorced. That's not the point of this. I'm just saying you have to take your situation, you believe you've heard from God, don't get prideful like Abner who says, I will do this and I will do that and there might be some emotion involved. Instead, you look back at the solid word. Amen, everybody? Remember that his word is a time saver and a life saver. 
Abner also boasted in his weakness, and we can't boast. He didn't boast in his weakness. He said, I'm strong. I'm going to be the one who did it. But weakness is only a strength accompanied by the Lord. It's important to remember these things. We need people in our life. We need to obey the Word of God. We need to be in the Word to know what it says. Amen, everybody? Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father God, I thank you for your people. I thank you, Lord, that you are for them and not against them, Lord, that you have a hope and a future. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless them in a mighty and a powerful way, Lord. I pray that you would, that you would uh, show all of us, Lord God, that, that our weakness is only a strength accompanied by you and that, that Lord, that we need people around us who will, who will help make us sharper. And Lord, may we all obey your word and your truth. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.